This is Sally welcoming you to the 2338th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline the 13th of April 2023. The readers this week are Jean and Chris, with Ian on the controls. Our title music is Country Rock Poker, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer, and performed by Jean-Jacques Perret, and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch, and are their copyright. The events information has been collated by us from other sources. The lead story this week is council spending £500,000 per month on hotels for homeless families. Before the news, we have one or two special news items and notices. First, the sunrise and sunset times for the week beginning Monday the 17th of April. Sunrise 0617, sunset 1947. And we also have a notice from Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are running again. And here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday the 20th of April, Thursday the 18th of May, Thursday the 15th of June, Thursday the 20th of July, Thursday the 17th of August, Thursday the 21st of September, Thursday the 19th of October, Thursday the 16th of November. For further information, please contact us on 0208 373 6260 or email information at enfieldvision.org.uk. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 0208 805 6578. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now Chris will read the first item of local news. Council spending £500,000 per month on hotels for homeless families. Enfield Council is now spending more than half a million pounds per month on hotel rooms for homeless families amid a rapidly escalating housing crisis in the borough. Far fewer private rented homes being available in Enfield, combined with a rise in demand, has seen the council forced to drastically increase 
the use of commercial hotels to meet its statutory duty to house families made homeless, often after they are evicted by landlords. A council finance report published last month revealed the full scale of the problem, showing that approximately 200 families were now holed up in commercial hotel accommodation with a nightly cost to the council of around £100 per room. It showed the monthly cost surpassed £500,000 in February this year, a more than tenfold rise in under 12 months. This has led to a total net spend on temporary accommodation of nearly £12 million for 2022-2023, twice the budget that was set at the start of the year, and something forecast to rise further. The report states, on average, the use of a single hotel room for one year represents a £20,000 more cost than traditional temporary accommodation options. The deteriorating market conditions and the inevitable increase in demand mean that without further actions, the budget pressure for 2023-24 could well be greater than we have seen in 2022-23. The Council has struggled to cope with one of the highest rates of homelessness in the country in recent years, but had managed to slightly reduce the total number of households in temporary housing between 2019 and 2022. However, homelessness is now again on the rise, with the Council's over-reliance on hotels said to have arisen amid a perfect storm of rising evictions and rents. The most recent figures show that more than 3,000 Enfield households are still living in temporary accommodation against a target cut list to 500 in five years. At a housing scrutiny panel last month, Richard Sorensen, head of the Civic Centre's Housing Advisory Service, said the council had been forced to renegotiate with landlords to lease their properties at a higher rate. He added, Over the past two years, we have seen a 90% decrease in the supply of affordable private rented accommodation in Enfield. That is driven by landlords exiting the market. People are selling. For the first time since the post-war period, the private sector is shrinking. The council is now considering using modular homes as a way of relieving homelessness. The impact on families left to live in hotel rooms was made clear last month with the case of the Ramazani family, who spent four months living in travel lodge hotels, nearly three times the six-week legal limit for councils using bed and breakfast style accommodation before being found a flat two days after their plight was highlighted by the dispatch. Edmonton MP Kate Ozamore also slams the way such families are being treated by the council, describing an epidemic of apathy at the Civic Centre. 
Matt Burns from campaign group Better Homes Enfield said, Issues in the private rental market have been exacerbated by Enfield Council's poor record for building new social rent homes that are genuinely affordable to local people and made worse by a lack of investment in the existing council housing stock. I have an article about an upcoming event, a lymphoma webinar. Lymphoma Action is hosting a webinar about what it is like to have chemotherapy on Wednesday, April 26, from 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Readers affected by lymphoma may be interested and can register to join this free event if they go to www.lymphoma-action.org UK backslash chemo webinar two. That's the digit two. The panel will include a healthcare professional, a lymphoma action chair, and three individuals who have lived experiences of chemotherapy. This webinar will help people prepare for having chemotherapy in the future and answer any questions they might have. It is an opportunity to hear coping strategies developed by individuals who have had treatment. It will also offer insights for families affected to help them understand the experiences of having chemotherapy so they can support loved ones going through the treatment. If readers would like to find out more or book a free space on the webinar, more information is available on the Lymphoma Action website, www.lymphoma-action.org.uk backslash chemowebinar2. You can also view our What is Chemotherapy webinar here, www.lymphoma-action.org.uk.uk backslash about lymphoma treatment, lymphoma chemotherapy, hashtag chemo web one. The Enfield Dispatch reports that the borough's household recycling rate dropped from 33.2% in 2020-21 to 30.9% during 21-22. Officers blame the huge impact of the COVID-19 pandemic for the decline in performance. Fortunately, there has been an improvement reaching 35.9% in the first quarter of 2022-23 and 35.8% during the second quarter. However, the Council's Climate Action Plan launched in 2020, set the target to achieve a 49% recycling rate by 2022. The North London Waste Authority website details how the recycled items are dealt with. The recycling collected by local authorities in North London gets used to make new products. Some of the recyclable material is sold and sent to other countries where it is used to make new products. Recyclables collected from households are sorted here in North London at the Biffers Materials Recycling Facility in Edmonton.
Biffo sorts the mixed dry recycling, cans, paper, plastic, glass, etc., collected by the seven North London borough councils and then sends that sorted material to reprocessors who will recycle it into something new. Cans and tins are processed in the UK. Metal tins and cans are separated from other recycling in the materials recovery facility and sorted into steel and aluminium. This is then sent into UK markets, Derby, for onward recycling. The metal can be converted back into new metal products. Car batteries are processed in Essex. Car batteries are sent to be reprocessed, which involves the lead being extracted and reused and the other components recycled. Old car batteries can also be recycled into new ones. Card collected from North London households and the reuse and recycling centres are processed abroad. The material is sorted and sent to mills for reprocessing in the UK, France, Germany, Poland, Taiwan and Turkey. It is recycled into new card. Cooking oil is processed in Norfolk. Used cooking oil is cleaned and reprocessed for reuse as biofuel. Food waste is sent to two anaerobic digestion facilities in Hertfordshire and Surrey. Anaerobic digestion is a process that uses bacteria to break down the food waste in specialised containers called silos. Gases that are produced through this process are captured and then burnt to produce electricity. The process also creates a nutrient-rich liquid fertiliser that is used on local farms. Furniture is reused in London. Furniture items suitable for reuse are inspected and tested before being resold through the reuse shop at our King's Road Reuse and Recycling Centre. Furniture unsuitable for reuse is recycled where possible. Green garden waste is delivered to in-vessel composting sites in Cambridgeshire and London. The in-vessel composting process involves different stages. First, the waste is enclosed and begins to decompose. Following that, the decomposing material is moved to a process called open window composting. This process involves the material being piled into open-air rows where it is occasionally turned to allow heat and moisture to mix through and decompose it to compost. The compost is then collected for use at local farms and horticultural settings. Glass is only processed in the UK. Glass is separated from other recycling materials and sent to facilities in the UK, Essex, Pontefract, Bentford, Derbyshire, South Yorkshire, where the glass is processed into glass cullet or pellets. The final product is either used for bottle manufacturing or for aggregate in road construction. Batteries are reprocessed in London into their metallic compounds which can be recycled into new products. Large electrical appliances are processed in London. The plastic and metal components are separated and sent for recycling and made into new products. 
Light bulbs are processed in Norfolk. Energy-saving light bulbs and fluorescent tubes are processed to extract the glass and metal elements for recycling. The glass element can then be reused to make new light bulbs. Metal is processed in London and Essex. The metal is sorted into different types and reprocessed. The reprocessed metal is then used in the UK to make a wide range of metal objects. Paper is sorted and sent to mills for reprocessing both in Kent, Flintshire and abroad, Germany, France and Holland. It is recycled into new paper and card. Plastics are separated from your other recyclables at a facility in London and sorted into different plastic types, including plastic bottles and mixed plastics, such as pots and trays. Plastic bottles are then sent on to facilities in the UK for remanufacturing. They are washed and chipped to create plastic pellets, which can be remade into new plastic bottles. Other mixed plastics are sent to specialised sorting facilities within the UK for further separation by polymer type prior to being sent on for reprocessing into new products. Small electrical appliances are processed in Kent. All electrical appliances are processed in the UK. The electrical appliances are dismantled and separated into component parts such as metal and plastic for recycling. We encourage the reuse and recycling of unwanted textiles. All items are collected and processed by our partner, the Salvation Army, and transported to their modern processing centre in Kettering. By reusing and recycling textiles, we can greatly reduce the amount we send for disposal and give unwanted items a new lease of life. Items that cannot be resold are repurposed into items such as cloths, insulation and soundproofing materials and so much more. TVs are processed in Kent. All TVs are processed in the UK. The TVs are dismantled and separated into their component parts, extracting the various materials such as lead, plastic and glass for recycling. Thank you, Sally. Just shows what can be done. Brimsdown Day Centre for Disabled, closed by council. A day care centre used by elderly people with visual and mobility impairments faces has been closed on as a part of budget cuts by Enfield Council. The Rose Taylor Day Centre in the Sunny Road which hosts a range of social clubs offering activities such as fitness, gardening and arts and craft, was closed at the end of March. The council cited low attendance figures as the reason for the closure and said all residents who used the centre had been found an alternative day service within the borough. Georgina Johnson, who is 80, and lives in Shirley Grove, branded the decision a disgrace. We live on our own, she said. The only thing we have got for a bit of interaction is our club. They, the council, are just pushing us to one side. They are not there for us. 
Georgina said she had been visually impaired since 2004. I had a husband then, she added. He passed away in 2020 and I am finding things difficult. Without my club, I've got nothing. The Day Centre has been running for more than 40 years and hosted several long-running clubs. Georgina said that adding some residents may find other revenues harder to reach. We are all 70 or over, and to take that away, we have got nothing, Georgina said. Who do we talk to during the day? A council spokesperson said, The decision to close Rose Taylor Day Centre was taken because the number of people attending the centre was low, even before the COVID pandemic. Staff, people who use the service and their families were consulted throughout this process. We are pleased to confirm that all users of this centre have been found a day service within the borough and there was capacity for everyone to have a choice of location and service. This will enable a council to make better use of the resources available to help more people lead independent and fulfilled lives. Thank you. I have an article from a former detective about how to avoid getting scammed. Former detective Peter Barron from Winchmore Hill offers advice on how to avoid telephone fraud. We all place far too much trust in our mobile phones these days. When a known contact appears on our phone screen, you understandably assume that it must be that person or organization who is ringing you. Unfortunately, fraudsters have ready, fraudsters have ready access to software to allow them to fake any phone number to convince a victim they can trust who they are talking to. Let's run through an example. Your mobile phone rings, and the number on the screen identifies the call as your bank if you have the number saved. Hello, Mrs. Evans. This is Roger Jenkins from the Fraud Department at your bank. There is no need to panic. However, we have discovered that your bank account, number 12345678, not a real number, has been hacked by fraudsters. They have not withdrawn any money yet. However, we need to act quickly to protect your cash. If Mrs. Evans queries the authenticity of the call, she is advised to look at the telephone number on the back of her bank card and compare it to that displayed on her phone. They are the same. If she is still not convinced, she will be advised to hang up and ring the number on the back of the card. However, the fraudster actually stays on the line and in some cases even plays a recorded dial tone down the line so the caller thinks she is making a fresh call. Mr. Jenkins, the fraudster, then answers the new call as, Roger Jenkins, fraud department, how may I help you? Mrs. Evans apologizes for not trusting him, but explains that she thought it better to be safe than sorry. Mr. Jenkins compliments her on her vigilance, 
but repeats that they need to move fast to save her money from being stolen. By this time, Mrs. Evans is totally convinced she is genuinely speaking to someone from her bank and, if anything, feels slightly embarrassed for not trusting him immediately. Mr. Jenkins explains that as her bank account has been hacked, she needs to move everything from that account into a secure holding account in the same bank. Once the fraudster has been arrested, they will immediately transfer it back to her. He gives her the details of the, quote, holding account, and if she has access to online banking, he offers to remain on the line until the transfer is complete. Once the transfer of all the cash has been made, he advises her that the money has not been returned to her account, that if, I beg your pardon, he advises her that if the money has not been returned to her account within seven days, she is to call him back. A week later, the money has not been returned, so she rings the number on the back of her card. This time, she gets through to a genuine bank employee, but they have never heard of Roger Jenkins. Her account is empty, and the account to which it was transferred is empty too. The bank refuses to compensate Mrs. Evans as she made the transfer herself, irrespective of the fact that that was because someone had impersonated one of her own bank's staff using their official telephone number. What can you do to get avoid getting scammed? If you are called by someone who say they are from your bank, simply do not believe them. Take their name and tell them you will ring the bank back from a different phone, or better still, go to your local branch and make inquiries there in person. Your bank will never ring you to discuss such matters. To avoid being called by fraudsters faking the bank's official number, save your bank's number, then block it. This will ensure fraudsters impersonating your bank cannot call you, but you can still call your own bank if you need to. Sad story. Anyway, report fraud or find more advice about avoiding fraud via Action Fraud or call 030 0123-2040 or visit, visit actionfraud.police.uk This is a letter from Sam Ward who is Deputy CEO of the Royal Voluntary Service and it's called Check In and Chat. We know it can be difficult to stay socially connected but keeping in touch and chatting with others can have a huge impact. Conversations can create connections, offer new perspectives, teach you new things, boost happiness and increase mental well-being. Which is why the NHS Volunteer Responders Programme has been reintroduced in the check-in and chat service, where local readers who would like a friendly chat or simply a listening ear, can request a phone call with a volunteer, whether it be a one-off call or a series of calls. Receiving a check-in and chat call is easy and completely free. 
Readers can organise it by calling 0808-196-3382. Lines are open 8am to 8pm, seven days a week. You can also visit nhsvolunteerresponders.org.uk where you will find further information. If readers would like a call, we are encouraging them to please reach out on the number above or to share this information with a loved one, friend, neighbour or anyone who may need a little extra support and would benefit from a check-in and chat call. A story from the Enfield Independent. Pupils celebrate diversity at school. An Enfield school has held its first annual event celebrating diversity. West Grove Primary School in Chase Road has a wide range of ethnicities, nationalities, languages and religions represented by its children, families and staff. Head teacher Sophie Yersin said, This diversity only serves to enrich the school community and we couldn't have been prouder to celebrate that. I feel it's so important to open our doors and welcome families into school to strengthen our sense of community. All month, the children have been learning about the value of diversity, the importance of respecting differences, and have been celebrating art, music, poetry and dance from around the world. To kick-start the event, all the children took part in a stunning performance of dances from around the world, held in the school's playground. Then there was an African drumming session, with children of mixed age showing their rhythmic ability. Finally, in the school hall, there was flag-face painting, international food stalls, an art exhibition and even a diversity photo booth. The event was enjoyed by everyone who came, and parents spoke of how valued they felt as part of the school community, with one parent commenting, Knowing that my child's culture is celebrated at this school brings me such comfort, and I so appreciate the inclusive ethos you provide. Thank you. This is from Enfield Dispatch. I have three, uh, three little articles about the borough. First, Bullsmore. A by-election date is set. A by-election is taking place this month following the resignation of a Labour councillor in March. Essin Gunez announced she was standing down from the Civic Centre less than a year after being elected for the first time to represent the newly formed Bullsmore Ward. Voters will now get to pick her replacement on Thursday, the 20th of April, with polls opened between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. Explaining her reason for standing down, Essen said she she was moving away from the borough with her young family and added, It has been an honor to serve the residents residents of Bullsmore Ward and part of Enf- as part of Enfield's Labor Council. 
The deadline for postal votes applications is, whoops, Monday the 3rd of April, and for proxy vote application, Wednesday the 12th of April. For the list of candidates and preview of the by-election, see Dispatch website. Then in Meridian Water, the outgoing boss defends record. This is by Simon Allen, the local democracy reporter. The former boss of Enfield Council's flagship housing scheme has defended his record and said the regeneration project is in a very strong place. Peter George left his role leading the £6 billion Meridian Water Scheme after more than eight years at the helm to join Ealing Council as its strategic director for economy and sustainability. Enfield Council aims to provide 10,000 homes and 6,000 jobs at the 85 hectare, hectare, I'm sorry, hectare, (laughs) Meridian Water site in Edmonton, but the first new flats now nearing completion. But the project has recently suffered a series of setbacks, including delays caused by high inflation and increased borrowing costs. Peter said, I am really proud about what I have achieved during my time at Enfield. Meridian Water is very much underway. Film studios, manufacturing hubs, blocks, a skilled academy, and train station all delivered. Housing completions this year and infrastructure works starting imminently. He added that Meridian Water is in a very strong place to to deliver the next stages. And finally, from Enfield Highway, blocks of flats approved. Plans to build 38 flats on the site of the former Enfield Highway pub have been approved despite failing to meet an affordable homes target. Developer White Gold Properties won permission to build a six-story block at 179 Hartford Road, a site that has stood empty since the demolition of the Black Horse Public House in 2017. The same developer won permission to build a smaller, five-story development at the same site in 2019, but the larger scheme, approved during a meeting of the Council's Planning Committee last month, will provide 13 extra flats, two commercial units on the ground floor, and 14 parking spaces. During the committee meeting, councillors repeatedly raised concerns over the plans to provide only 11 affordable homes, making up 29% of the whole development. The affordable housing level is significantly below Enfield Council's target of 40%. Council planning officers said an assessment has shown providing more affordable homes was not financially viable. Following a debate, councillors voted unanimously to approve this scheme. Some football news now. Um, Enfield Town pushed out of playoff places. Enfield Town dropped out of the Ishmael League Premier Division playoff places 
during a disappointing Easter weekend. Andy Lees's side returned empty-handed from Horsham on Saturday after suffering a 3-1 defeat and they had victory snatched from their grasp on Bank Holiday Monday as Haringey Borough netted a last gasp equaliser to salvage a 2-2 draw. That saw Town drop to sixths, one point behind Cray Wanderers with two games to go, ahead of a trip to leaders Bishop Storford on Saturday. Town ends their campaign with a home game against fellow playoff hopefuls Avely on April the 22nd. Captain Scott Thomas returned to the starting lineup at Horsham with Josh Okutcher replacing unwell Lewis Knight in central defence. And Jake Cass wasted a good early chance for the visitors while Jack Mazzone did the same at the other end. Nathan MacDonald saved Masone's deflected effort on 16 minutes, while Andre Coker, Crass and Horsham's Chris Sessanon were all booked. The Hornets opened the scoring five minutes before the break, when Joe Payne pulled back from Tom Kavanagh as he raced into the box and Mazzone converted the penalty. Adam Cunnington replaced Coker during the interval and Town were back on terms within eight minutes of the restart as Cass volleyed home from a corner. Their joy was short-lived, though, as Horsham regained the lead before the hour mark when Kavanagh beat MacDonald with a superb 25-yard free kick. Taylor Seymour saved well from Cass as Town looked to get back on terms once more and the hosts sealed the points with 10 minutes left as Charlie Hester Cook capitalised on James Richmond's missed kick. Defensively, we weren't good enough, Lees told the club website. Bitterly disappointing and it's made it harder for us. We're going to have to be a lot better than we were today. A crowd of 688 packed into the Queen Elizabeth Stadium 48 hours later for the North London derby with Haringey and saw Cass open the scoring midway through the first half, converting the rebound after his penalty was saved by Max Ovenden. But Cunnington was replaced soon after having been left with a bloodied face in the incident leading to the penalty and Scott Mitchell got the visitors back on level terms when heading home from a corner just before half-time. Town substitute Michael Baccare teed up Cass for his second goal of the game and 20th of the campaign to restore the home side's lead on 65 minutes and it looked like being a winner. But Haringey were awarded a penalty of their own for handball in stoppage time, and Stephanus Georgiou reacted quickest to convert the loose ball after MacDonald had saved the spot kick. Well, come on, Enfield Town. Let's see if you can do it. Enfield North MP hits out at Chase Farm Hospital boss over reduced opening hours. 
the urgent treatment centre at Chase Farm, has now been operating with temporary reduced hours for seven months. Enfield North MP Foriel Clark has hit out at the boss of Chase Farm Hospital over ongoing reduced hours at its urgent treatment centre. Foyal says she is extremely concerned with the earlier closure times of the urgent treatment centre, which have been in place since last July, but were only intended to be temporary while Chase Farm filled a number of staff vacancies. The facility offers residents needing non-emergency care the ability to turn up without an appointment, which Fayal says is something much needed given the current backlogs and difficulties with accessing primary care via GP practices. The opening hours were previously 8am until 10pm, but since 11th of July last year, the urgent treatment centre has been closing at 8.30pm each evening, with patients only being booked in until 7.30pm. In a letter sent last month to Chase Farm Chief Executive Dr Alan McLennan and seen by the dispatch, Fayal writes, I'm extremely concerned that the urgent treatment centre at Chase Farm is still operating on reduced opening hours. I have repeatedly raised my concerns regarding the reduced hours. My constituents need to be able to access the care they need. I've been consistently reassured that this is a temporary measure. It has now been seven months. Although some new staff appointments have been made, Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust, which runs Chase Farm, has said challenges remain and that the temporary opening hours need to continue to ensure it can consistently deliver the best possible care. Attendance at the urgent treatment centre are said to be at a record high with between 120 and 150 attending each day on average. Fial is demanding reassurance that the temporary opening hours will not become permanent and adds in a letter, I am told by the Integrated Care Board for North London that access and appointments in general practice are not an issue. Yet I consistently receive complaints from constituents that they are not able to get a GP appointment and evidently end up in the urgent care treatment centre. A Royal Free London spokesman said, Due to the continued challenges around staff recruitment and the high volume of patients attending, Chase Farm Hospital's urgent treatment centre is currently operating at reduced hours. If you need urgent medical assistance and your condition isn't life-threatening, please call 111. Or, for those aged 5 and over, visit 111.nhs.uk and they'll advise you what to do. This service is available 24 hours a day.
Thank you. And continuing on the medical side, there's an article in Enfield Dispatch, Making Heart Throbs Grow Fonder. Jim Yates from Heart Throbs on the growing success of Enfield Cardiac Support Group. Many readers may be surprised to discover that almost one in two adults in the UK have high cholesterol levels and that heart problems in general strike all age groups and affect people from all walks of life and all communities. Last year in the dispatch, we featured some of the activities of Heart Throbs, our cardiac exercise and support group based in Enfield, focused on the importance of staying fit and making lifestyle choices to minimize the risk of further heart problems. Since then, we have continued to increase our number of regular exercises at our nine weekly one-hour classes, six at Hope White's Sports and Social Club, one at St. Stephen's Church Hall, and two Zoom classes for those who prefer to exercise at home. We currently have over 100 members, with most engaging in regular exercise and support classes. There is no contract contract or signing-in fee to our group. Our monthly fees range from £25 to £40, depending on how many classes you wish to attend. All our classes are safely supervised by suitably qualified instructors who encourage our diverse member of our our diverse group of members to enjoy a more active and happier lifestyle. One of our members, age 90, is setting an excellent example to us all by regularly attending two exercise classes every week. Founded in 1990, Heart Throbs is a local nonprofit organization affiliated to the British Heart Foundation with Community Amateur Sports Club, parentheses, C-A-S-C, status, and with connections to Chase Farm, Barnet, and North Middlesex Hospitals. As a result, many of our m- members are able to share insights into similar, similar medical experiences, such as medications, stents, bypass operations, emergency open-heart surgery, and replacement heart valves. We also have a WhatsApp group for messaging where we share jokes, news, advice, quips, and cartoons to liven up the odd, dull day. During the last year, we have added many more exercise weights, items to aid balance, first aid kits, and digital projectors to enhance our evening presentations. These These monthly social evenings include a wide range of medical, lifestyle, and topics of general interest, such as physiotherapy, stress and anxiety reduction techniques. In the coming months, we will have a Q&A with a senior local cardiologist, a talk by a former BBC for foreign correspondent, information on lasting power of attorney, plus a quiz night and a summer barbecue. While we are primarily a support group for people with heart problems, we are also welcoming to partners, family members, friends, and others in the wider local community. 
For more information about our heartthrobs, you can call 07938-926-772 or visit heart-throbs.org.uk. Enfield Ignatians enjoy pre-Easter tour. Enfield Ignatians Youth Section enjoyed a highly successful tour to Skegness just before the Easter weekend. The touring party numbered some 400 players and parents, including 139 players from under 7 to under 14s, with Skegness RFC praised for the slick organisation of their event. The two under 12 teams, the Marines and the Commandos, did particularly well to win five of their six games on the opening day before adding a further three wins 24 hours later. Having conceded their final fixture, they progressed to the final of the main cup competition, but the combined might of the two Ignatians teams came up short against Scunthorpe. Coach Dave Russell said, The boys came of age on this tour and the effort, commitment, desire and self-belief all came together. The coaches and parents could not have been more proud, literally left everything on the pitch. The under-13s won the plate tournament after two wins, 6-1 and 5-1, against Coventarians, having gone against Norwich, 2-1 loss, but were well held by an impressive Northern RFC team from Newcastle, following two 5-1 reverses. The under-14s ended the opening day third in their pool, following a 12-10 win against Hartlepool and a 5-5 draw against Bromsgrove. But they lost the return against Hartlepool, 15-14, and were far from disgraced in two losses, 19-7 and 36-14, against an impressive Aylesford Bulls outfit. The under-11s were the recipients of a fair play award as the two Ignatians teams in this age group took on the likes of London Irish, Boston and Bugbrook, winning five of their ten games. The under-sevens had a squad of 14 players and were the youngest age group represented, also winning a fair play award as they experienced their first ever tour, while the 12-strong under-8 squad also enjoyed the rugby occasion. It all culminated with each player being awarded a medal by Sale Flanker and England international Tom Curry in the evening presentation ceremony at the end of a very memorable few days. Consultation on planned cycle and walking route. A new cycling and walking route is being planned to provide a vital east-west connection across the borough. Enfield Council says the proposed link between Southgate and Edmonton would create a quiet, safe and secure route to encourage more people 
to choose to walk, wheel and cycle. The route would start at Southgate Circus, run through the Fox Lane low-traffic neighbourhood, cross green lanes in Palmer's Green and then pass through residential streets before connecting with existing cycle infrastructure at Great Cambridge Junction. Future work would see the project link to a further route from Great Cambridge Junction to the existing Cycleway 1, which passes along Bull Lane near North Middlesex Hospital. A consultation has now been launched on the proposals, which the council says will bring the benefits of keeping children and adults healthy and fit, reduce motor traffic and improve air quality. Other cycling and walking routes recently proposed and consulted on by the council include links between Enfield Town and Enfield Highway, Enfield Town and Ponders End, and Enfield Town and the borough border with Broxbourne. The Civic Centre notes that the routes are being developed against a backdrop of policies designed to respond to the climate emergency and promote a green recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. It adds that the government is supporting schemes to help reach its target of cutting carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Meanwhile, the Mayor of London Transport Strategy aims for 80% of all trips to be made on foot, by bicycle or by public transport by 2041. And finally... Finally, there is a plea in the Enfield Dispatch to jump on board our Board of Trustees. Age UK Enfield trustee Annie Small invites others to apply for a new vacancy on the charity's board. She starts, I volunteer as a trustee for Age UK Enfield, and we are looking for more people who can join our Board of Trustees. We are passionate about the older people of Enfield and run a wide range of services and activities for its many communities. We are also keen to reflect the diverse range of communities on our board as well as find someone with specific areas of expertise, such as human resources, IT, funding and business fundraising and business systems so please do think about applying to share your skills and life experiences if you think you might fit the bill so why am i a trustee i work in the arts and originally asked members of the parker day center for people with living with dementia to help contribute their stories for a new theater show I was so impressed with the dedication and commitment of the staff to improving the lives of older people that I wanted to help. I had also used Age UK Enfield myself as a carer for older parents and found this charity to be truly a lifesaver. With the personal and caring approach when you are trying to come to terms with a diagnosis of dementia and find your way through the maze of issues and benefits for older people. 
If you want to give back to your community and support our older people in Enfield, please do follow the link below and apply. We look forward to hearing from you. Find out more about becoming a trustee for Age UK Enfield. Visit ageuk.org.uk backslash Enfield backslash get hyphen involved backslash volunteer backslash trustee. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. We have reached the end of our program for this week. Thank you for listening. And so from the team of Sally, Chris, Jean and Ian on the controls, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. Don't forget you can call... Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Enfield Talking newspaper. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.